Welcome to Leadership Matters, a podcast hosted by me, Steve Parker. This is a series that brings a fresh perspective to leadership, motivation, and how to succeed by talking to a diverse range of CEOs, business managers, and world-class talent. We also offer some personal tips to help you in your career. Each episode aims to provide a snapshot into the life and philosophy of some of Taiwan's most successful leaders, and to help you find out why leadership matters. Welcome to the podcast today. We're uh, we're talking to Mark Shu. Very very lucky to have Mark Shu here. Mark is an entrepreneur. Mark has made uh, he started a number of companies over a number of years. And he's currently, uh, as well as a number of other things, he's currently the CEO and founder of 11th Fleet, which is a company that gives uh, kind of landing services for uh, international companies and local companies wanting to go overseas and international companies coming into Taiwan. We're very, very lucky to have Mark with us today. Mark, hello. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me on the uh, on your show. Mark, one of the things when you do something like what you do uh, is that people don't always understand what it is you do. When you have a kind of a big name company, people like go, okay, I know what that company does. It's a product. Mm-hmm. When you do something like you, which is really offering services for other companies, it's harder to define. So maybe you can just give us a couple of things about what is the kind of the purpose behind Eleventh Fleet and why you started this company. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, one of the Eleventh Fleet, um, as you mentioned, um, in a nutshell, um, is helping or we seek to help you know uh, foreign entrepreneurs or companies coming into Taiwan. Um, you know, soft land, uh, I guess is the term, terminology. And um, I'm primarily focused on, um, you know, startups or technology-based companies. When Whenever I got back to the Bay Area, I noticed the huge sort of um, kind of, uh, kind of, you know, demand for tech or digital talent. And it got me thinking, you know, um, you know, what Taiwan has is a lot of knowledge workers, you know, they're, they're great engineering schools, uh, Taiwanese have a very strong work ethic, and if somehow we can kind of get some of these opportunities are in the Bay Area, but kind of do them here in Taiwan, I thought that that would be like an interesting business. And so that's really how Eleventh Fleet came about. What What do you see as the difference between leading teams across the Atlantic? I mean, I, I think the biggest challenge is, you know, I think, um, you know, you've been here a long time and I've also come back to Taiwan for, for 20 plus years now. I think it's just, you know, um, what gets me is, you know, the, the Taiwanese workers or, or especially, you know, the, the, the technical workers, they're so smart. And yet, um, you know, they're, they're very, um, they're not as creative and, and certainly um, in general, it's very, they're very risk averse, right? So, um, and, and we're not talking about going out to send, to even set up their own ventures, but just the fact that, you know, in everyday kind of work, you know, there's this kind of um, aversion to kind of making mistakes, right? And um, for me, you know, it's, it was also a huge adjustment, you know, um, as well, because, you know, I, although I was, you know, grew up, you know, ethnically Taiwanese, but I've been raised in the States. And then when I came back, you know, it, um, yeah, you know, it was, it was a reverse culture shock in a way, right? Like, uh, trying to, trying to kind of, um, you know, work with, uh, you know, Taiwanese coworkers who, who had never been outside of Taiwan. Right. And I think a lot of it, um, traces back to, to, um, education. Um, one thing that I often, you know, 
anecdotally point out is like you know in in Silicon Valley, you know what we're really afraid of is um you know like the MBA types, right? Like incredible with their pitch, you know, that promise you the 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 moon, <laughs> um, but they can't deliver, right? But the flip side you see in Taiwan. Um, you know, especially within like, you know, the startup communities, like you have very strong technical co-founders or technical founders, but, you know, they can't, they can't pitch for the life of them. Right. And they can't tell the story. Right. Um, or they've already built a product, but they have no idea how to commercialize it. Right. So it's, it's, um, I think the contrast is, is very stark. How, how do you, I mean, it must be a completely different way of managing people like that, right? I mean, in Silicon Valley, you're saying you kind of let them go, right? Release, right, them. right, right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. what do you do? How do you bring out that uh, that creativity in Taiwan? It's it's you know to be honest, it's very very difficult, right? Um, I, I think what I've done, you know, um, personally is um, what you know what I. You know, when, when I first got back, my, my Mandarin um, wasn't very good, right? And my, my written Mandarin is still not good, right? So what I did was I instituted an all-English policy, even though, you know, all, all the staff was um, was um, Taiwanese. And, of course, you know, that was very, very difficult, um, especially back then, you know, you kind of... the I think the level of English fluency has improved a lot, I think, in the last... 10, 15 years, but um, when I first got got back, this was like the you know mid mid nineties, late nineties. So what I did was I paid actually paid for the English training, and um, and I felt that um, you know I think for me that that somewhat helps um, because I think um, the f- one was you know some people <laughs> it kind of filter out the people that that didn't want to learn, right? That that didn't want to adapt, right? But number two, I think the fact that they underwent the English training, um, you know, and sometimes I would share with them kind of links, you know, things that were happening kind of outside of Taiwan. And um, I, I think it broadened their horizons a little bit. Um, and then, um, and I, I think, you know, just, you know, maybe leadership by example, you know, like, Generally speaking, you know, I think I'm a very positive person uh, in the sense that, you know, I'm very optimistic and I encourage their input. Um, you know, I, I often felt that I was pushing them more. <laughs> um, they, you know, they probably felt pressure, right? Because, you know, they hadn't been in a situation um, in their education, in, in their schooling where, you know, they were encouraged to to actually speak their mind or, you know, to, to introduce thoughts, um, their original thoughts, right? Um, so that's that's kind of what I what I have done um, is is kind of culturally, I think, compared to the average Taiwanese company, we you know it's very very flat, and um, and I can kind of call it leadership by osmosis. Um, hopefully, they can pick up on some of the um, you know things that I was brought up with, right? The values that that I believe in. I like this idea of uh, leadership by osmosis. Every time I talk to somebody, I try to pick out a couple of kind of, you know, key concepts. And I think this <laughs> leadership by osmosis is a really nice one. I, uh-huh. You brought out a couple of things just now. One uh-huh. of them being this idea of education and training. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's incredibly important that people have some kind of development plan, right? If you're mm-hmm. a leader, then you've got to be able to not just think about what you can get people to do, but where you mm-hmm. want them to be, right? right? This is this kind of training process. Mm-hmm. You also... As part of that, you talked about having English training, but also mm-hmm. uh, 
your decision about which language to use in the office. And this is mm-hmm. a very interesting one. Mm-hmm. I've read two studies recently where they talk about if you are the, for instance, you know, if I am the native speaker of English, but I use Mandarin, then it puts the people around me in a superior position. And mm-hmm. so they will want to maybe help me, support me or work with me because they are the native speakers. Correct. On the other side, if you use your native tongue to communicate, mm-hmm. English in my case, mm-hmm. it puts you in a position of power, mm-hmm. stronger. Mm-hmm. Do you have a view on kind of which of these is the better way to go? Well, um, I, I think, I mean, obviously I have my own biases. Um, yeah, I would lean towards English. And I hadn't, you know, th- those are very interesting studies. I hadn't encountered them in the past. But the way I kind of explained it to my staff was just that, you know, I don't know how long they'll be, you know, with with me or with my company. However, uh, you know, because we're a small, you know, an SME, we, we can't beat the multinationals. However, I feel that what I, you know, I could offer was just more scalability in their careers, right? The fact that um, if, you know, they they agree to the fact that we all use English, um, even, it, you know, if they found better opportunities, um, they have my blessings, right? Um, so, um, you know, for me, I, I feel that, you know, speaking good English or being able to be proficient, um, you know, in a workplace in English, written, you know, reading or, you know, writing and reading, you know, I think it's good training for the, for for young staff members, and it allows them, um, you know, to to advance in in their careers. And I think for me so far, I think that that sort of thesis has been correct. And you know, I think for the most part, by and large, I think um, the people who have worked with me in the past have been, you know, kind of. Um, I believe they're grateful for 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 being in this type of environment. Um, you know, to to be honest, you know, we're you know, we, we can't outpay larger companies or multinationals, right? But I think we have a good balance. Um, and I think the because it's a flat culture and because, you know, everyone's input is appreciated, um, you know, uh, like I think the, the idea of that they have a choice, right? Like how, how actively they want to participate or if, you know, they want to speak up or not, you know, I think that is appreciated. And in fact, something that I'm very proud of is, um, you know, we actually have very, very low turnover, right? Um, and so I think to your point, I think absolutely. Um, I think they, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's um, you know, it's like if you were to put the, yourself into someone else's shoes, right? It's very simple principles. I think if you do what is in the best, in you know, the best interests of your colleagues, I think, um, you know, it does pay dividends long run, right? I mean, management and leadership is not just about managing in one direction, right? right. You need yeah. to manage up, down, and sideways, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this idea of, you know, if you, if everybody is doing what is best for the colleagues and people around them, then that's clearly going to get the best result. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I can't argue with that. I mean, I think, you know, like I, I, I grew up in a Christian family in a, went to, went to, um, you know, Bible school, uh, Sunday, you know, Sunday school. And um, yeah, I mean, I think the principles to management are, are, in my opinion, you know, like, I think if we keep it simple, right? Um, um, sure, you know, there are certain things that you need to adapt to, right? But I think, um, you know, I'll share with you like a recent experience. It just happened a couple of weeks ago. So, um, you know, we're, we're a small company. We have maybe 
um, collectively 15 employees, 15, 16 employees. And um, so we sat down, I think, you know, um, and, you know, with our HR and sort of my COO, and then um, we discussed, you know, like, okay, how, how do we get to the next level as a company? And how do we kind of, you know, make, make this um, our, our company a better workplace? And, and I think, you know, I thought long and hard about, about this, and I really kind of arrived at sort of a simple principle, right? So what I've realized is that, you know, um, there are lots of things going on in, in, in a person's life, right? And so work is one aspect of it. Um, and, you know, I'm also realistic enough to realize that, you know, work itself cannot create um, happiness if you're not happy in other aspects of your life, right? So I think our principle, um, the one that kind of the kind of the mission that we, we, we wrote down was that, you know, I want our workplace to not be a cause for further stress, right? So if you're unhappy in life, unfortunately, you know, work is, you know, like coming to work is not going to resolve that. But, you know, I think, uh, especially now, because I have two young kids, I, I feel like, okay, like what, you know, why am I happy going to work? And, and I think I'm happy going to work just you know, for a few reasons. One is, you know, I enjoy the people that I'm working with. I like what I'm doing. And I think most importantly is not causing any additional stress to me. Right. And and so I, so that's what I also told my staff is I think, you know, what I want to define is a workplace where, you know, it's not as, it's not stressful for them to, to, to do the work. Right. Um, because there's so many things, else so many other things happening in their lives that 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 is a source of stress right so so just a very simple simple principle that that we're sort of shooting for this kind of ties into this idea of helping people to build this uh this work-life balance right that's right that's right yeah and you know and then one thing you know i i mean the way we we kind of um kind of um sort of set up our compensation structure is I've made it very clear to our staff, you know, we kind of work on, you know, 12 months base pay and, you know, boat bonus is discretionary. Right. And, um, and that is directly tied into the profitability of the company. Right. And so don't get into like, you know, cause in Taiwan, there's always this comparison around Chinese new year, like, you know, who's getting, you know, 13 months, 14 months, you know, at other companies, and I think for me is I, I've been, you know, I've made it very, very transparent. You know, you have to be happy with your base. And then the other benefits is the fact that, you know, we're very flexible. You know, we can work from home. Um, you know, you don't need to call in sick or, you know, kind of come up with reasons why you need to go see the doctor or anything like that. Right. Um, yeah. And then I think, you know, um, like an, a staff member came to me and said, well, you know, she would still like to make more more money. And I said, um, you know, great. Um, you know, I can't promise you that we can, you know, always increase our base salary, um, you know, year after year. But, you know, have you thought about, you know, kind of doing a side hustle? Um, and then, you know, maybe you could work, you know, 90% uh, time, right? So, so I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, um, you know, my, my colleagues, you know, kind of working on side hustles, right? I think it, it actually encourages them to, to be more entrepreneurial 
And I think the side benefit is they also realize that it's very, very difficult <laughs> to, to make money, right? So I think that <laughs> they have a better appreciation of kind of the uh, the position that I'm in, right? Like, uh, you know, to, to cover the overhead and cover everyone's expenses, right? This is really interesting that you allow you you even almost encourage your people to have side hustles. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, yeah. This this idea of getting balance is really interesting because I think mm-hmm. you know a lot of people compare portions of what they do. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll compare. Well, you know, I have to work uh, late, or I have to work some weekends, or I have to work some time, or they'll say somebody else gets more money or whatever. Right. They're very. It's very easy for people to focus on a single aspect of what it is. I, I think what you're telling me is that as a leader, it's our job. We have to be able to tell the story, right? Of the whole, right. we have to understand the whole company dynamic, the yeah. story, you know? Yes, you know, if you worked for uh, such and such a consulting company, you right. would make more money. Right. But you would also be in the office until one o'clock every night. That's correct. That's correct. And I think, so, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think honesty and transparency goes a long way. Um, I think if we're kind of comparing like, you know, different sort of leadership um, kind of um, like thoughts or leadership styles. I think in type, you know, like, um, you know, I've worked with some portfolio companies, right? And and the kind of the Taiwanese thinking is, oh, the, the boss, right? Like needs to be, um, needs to project a strength, you know, an image of strength. We cannot let the, you know, the, the rank and file employees know that, you know, financially maybe we're, ailing a little bit or whatnot and um i don't know somehow like I, especially in the context of a small company i i don't think um you know that that's the best way to go right because like in a small company you know there's no place to hide right like so so um i've often encouraged um actually um you know like the the entrepreneurs have backed you know to to take a more um kind of a transparent approach um for for their employees um but I, I don't know. It's, uh, a lot of times, it, it's it's the educational system, it's the you know Confucian culture, or whatnot. They uh, feel that there you know it needs to be hierarchical, right? Yeah. So I mean, if we had to kind of distill, you've talked a little bit about some different things today, but I just wanted to kind of go through the couple of things that we've talked about today. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've talked about education and training being important. Mm-hmm but recognizing that there are cultural differences, but looking at ways that you can bring out the differences between uh, the best of each of those kind of different cultures. You've talked about you as a leader wanting to bring positivity into the room. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a super important thing, being the best version of yourself at all times. Um, You've talked about this idea of developing your staff for the future, whether that future be with you or, or with someone else, but nonetheless helping them to develop to become better people so that and better workers so that they mm-hmm. can go on to their next position, either with you or, or in another company. And, and one of the last things that you've talked about is this, it's a combination of two things. Like you don't have to always project strength. You can allow weakness to show if you really don't know. And underneath that is this willingness to kind of be, as you call it, this servant leader, which I think is a really, really nice term. I, would that be fair um, to summarize what we've been talking about today? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> like, you've done a great job summarizing the points. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think if there's um, one last thing that I'd like to add is I think, you know, in, you know, Taiwan is, I, I believe it's on, you know, on the cusp of change, right? And part of it is because of the, 
you know, the demographics of Taiwan, right? I mean, there's just less and less young people. And I feel like for the young people now in Taiwan, you know, if, especially if you're a company that needs new blood and you want to attract, you know, the, the, the youth of Taiwan, then you, I think Taiwanese companies will need to change, right? Because um, this millennial generation or, you know, um, you know, they, they have a very different value system from, from their parents. And um, yeah, so that, you know, we, we, at least from my point of view, I see a lot of tightness in the job market. I think, um, you know, in the past, you know, it seemed like the boss, you know, kind of worker relationships, oh, you know, you should be just grateful for, for a job. But I think, you know, I think if, if companies stick to that mindset, um, I don't think it's, it's going to work going forward just because there's so few young people now. I think that's a really nice place for us to stop. That was a great last point. Leadership Matters is broadcast on the fourth Monday of every month live on ICRT. And it's also available on the ICRT website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Leadership Matters by Stephen Parker. You can also check out my social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We'll see you next time.